The Amanda Wagner Podcast is the place to eavesdrop and participate in conversations about making choices around how you spend your time, who you surround yourself with, and figuring out what you want to be known for. This is a place to talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and finding a way to be known for something that matters. In this episode, we talk about what professional envy looks and feels like. We describe our own experiences of professional envy and what it does to us. And we share how you can use this envy to your advantage and to find clarity about what matters to you. Plus, we share one of our favorite activities from the team at Being Boss. And in WWAWD, we answer Sonia's question about shifting your mentality during a career change. Have you ever had the experience of looking at social media or hearing about someone in your industry and instantly feeling insecure or like you should have what they have or that you want what they have? Experience what they're experiencing maybe, or feel like you clearly aren't doing enough and are somehow inferior to them or lacking something? Even if this person isn't someone you directly know, maybe it's a mentor or someone you look up to. You see what they have and get a feeling that maybe you're doing something wrong because you aren't having the same experience. I know I've had these feelings. When we talk about envy, we're talking about the feeling of longing for something that you don't have. It doesn't mean I want to take it away from the other person, but I have these envious feelings where I want what they have. For me, this feeling comes up and creates moments of resentment and keeps me feeling like I'm somehow less than or not up to par with what somebody else has or is experiencing. I feel this all the time with people that I know and with people that I might never meet. There are many people I admire and I'm professionally envious of them. For example, Brene Brown, Oprah, Ariana Huffington. These are people who have brilliant ideas and have built a platform on which to share them. So even though I look up to them, I admire them, I'm still really envious of them. And I find I'm most envious of people who have, over time, created a way to share their ideas in meaningful ways and to impact millions of people. That said, I also feel this within a much smaller group. So I feel this with people I consider to be my peers and my colleagues, other people who are at a similar stage of business or in a similar industry. Some examples of the last few times I felt envious. I learned that a client of mine makes significantly more money than I do. A peer that I respect has been closing big contracts, even during the pandemic, when it seems like people are losing contracts, hitting the pause button, losing their jobs. And another time I felt envious is someone I know who is not a professional speaker has been asked to be on stage. And it's a stage that I really want to be on. And to get really real, in the last few weeks, it seems like everything is coming up LP as she's been signing new clients and getting new contracts. And I've been experiencing this professional envy. So this is a good time. Liz, tell me about your experiences of professional envy. This is something that I dealt with a lot early on in my career. So I, um, I used to be a journalist and I started really young. I started, I was 20, uh, when I started (laughs) the radio and TV world. And I was often envious of 
the people who seem to get to the big city markets really fast mm. or people who seem to fail up. Like the people who would make a big mistake and all of a sudden landed a great job and they just seemed super lucky and it just seemed really unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really kind of discouraging because I'm always someone who's worked very, very hard to get to the places where I am. And then you see kind of strokes of luck um, or people cutting corners or maybe people who are less passionate getting to the place that you desire to be. I don't think I get as professionally envious as I used to um, because I've worked really hard at it. But I definitely do still have some of that creeping in a little bit when I see people now, you know, land speaking gigs at large digital digital marketing conferences or social media conferences, that sort of thing. I feel a little bit of that envy kind of starting to creep back in for me. How did you stop experiencing or limit the amount of, of times that you felt those pangs of envy? I think it came a little bit from just forcing myself to refocus. I hate this expression. And if you watch the new Jerry Seinfeld stand-up special, he talks about it as well. The phrase, it is what it is. Oh, yeah. I hate it so much. (laughs) And he talks about how much he hates it too. But if you take a little bit of that perspective, it's like, this is, this is life. You know, um, that's how it works. I work just as hard and I will, I'll have the breaks. Things will come. I'll bide my time and accomplish those goals. I think that um, my parents have been really big inspirations for me with having that perspective perspective shift. And I'm really grateful to them for kind of planting that within me. So when you experience this, what do you actually do? It sounds like for you, it happens a lot less than it used to. And it also sounds like it happens a lot less for you than it does for me. What do you do when it does happen? I, I, I do try not to get caught up in it. But when I do feel a little bit of that envy, I try and think about both sides of the equation. And I think maybe thinking about both sides might come a little bit easier because I work in social media all the time. And I'm very aware that social media is a highlight reel. I'm very aware of the facade of it all. So sure person X's life looks great, but is it all great? I doubt it. They're only sharing their successes. Um, So I try and think about it like that. And if that doesn't work, I use it as fuel. So I, I, that's a motivator to me, um, you know, to, to keep working hard to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. Or I turn it into admiration. I was thinking about this today when I was prepping for the episode, people who I used to be envious of, I'm proud to say now I'm really proud of them. And I think it's cool to watch to see what they accomplish. I think that is a little bit of growth on my part to be able to make that shift Uh when I used to be. I used to be someone that would say like, that's not fair that they've accomplished or achieved this job. And I deserve that to now be like, you know what? Good for you. Um, you know, you got there and do what you can with it. So I have a couple different ways of dealing with it, whether it's looking at it from a different perspective, using it as a motivator or finding ways to feel good for that person. Well, we'll file this episode in the evidence folder of the reasons that you are a better person than I am. Uh, 
because <laughs> I'm not there yet. And for me, when I experience envy, my instincts kind of go one of two ways. Yes, I know that social media is a highlight reel, but I always question if it's, if it's healthy for me or beneficial for me to think about all the things that might not be wonderful in their lives, or if that's just my way of like coaxing myself down. But typically I do two things. Number one, I grumble about it. I feel like garbage. I assume that I'm doing everything wrong and that the person I'm envious of is doing everything right. Or I grumble about it, feel like garbage, and somehow coax myself into not watching or unfollowing, which is easier said than done, especially when it's somebody close to you. So I do think there is a better way to deal with this that has been really helpful for me. But I'd love, Liz, I'd love to dive into when I say to you, look, I'm professionally envious of what's happening in your life. How does that land on you? I feel super guilty about it. <gasps> oh. um, so you and I haven't really talked about this, um, but I know you pretty well. Uh, and I, I had a hunch maybe that that might be going on um, yeah. with you, but we are very much two people who celebrate our successes with one another. So I've been kind of in a little bit of a weird spot. Um, because I always want to tell you the good things that are happening with me and with my business, but I have felt guilt with my success because I know of how it impacts you. So that was, that's been like the big emotion that's come up for me over the last Sorry. month or so. No, no, this, this is not apology hour. This is just, this is this just isn't RuPaul's best friend race. <laughs> <laughs> I just that's the first thing that I feel is that I, I, I feel bad that you feel bad. <laughs> like, we could just go back and forth with feeling yeah, bad. Yeah, this is the trouble of being empathetic. And in a previous episode, we talked about how we can have coexisting thoughts. So yeah. I can be incredibly proud of you and love to hear your successes and be envious of them and look at them and go, I wish I had that. Yeah. And on, and on my side, I wish that you didn't feel bad, but I am pumped that in a time where growth might've been really, really difficult for my business, I'm happy that things have gone better than expected. Of course. And what I think is really interesting here, I think the conversation that we're having right now isn't that common. No, it's definitely not. Right. To be able to say to somebody like, look, I have this feeling and I'm happy for you and I'm envious of what you have. And I, I wanted to, to talk about it. And I asked Liz's permission. I said, can I bring this up? Because I'm not recommending or saying like, go tell every single person that you've ever felt envious of that you want what they have, because that's not necessarily what it's about. But it is about diving in and being able to kind of set the record straight, which is, I do want to hear about your successes. I am a champion of yours. I will send anybody your way because I know what you have done to transform my business in ways that I couldn't. It just happens that I still feel that envy. So it's my job to work on that. One of the ways that I think is a better way to deal with this has to do with a podcast that I listened to nearly three years ago. So when I started my first business uh, in October of 2017, 
one of the first podcasts that was recommended to me is called Being Boss, hosted at the time by Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon, two women who call themselves business besties, which we have adopted. And each of them ran at least one company. They talk about writing a list of 100 things that you want. We will link to this in the show notes and Being Boss still exists. It is running strong. Emily Thompson runs it by herself. And there's some fascinating things in here. One of my favorite episodes is about the imposter complex. So we'll link to that one as well because it's it's one of the kind of top five podcasts of theirs that has impacted me in my business. And they say, write a list of a hundred things you want. Just do a brainstorm. It sounds really easy, but a hundred things is actually quite a lot. And as a, a maximalist in who's converting to a bougie minimalist, it's a hundred things is a lot. And I don't want to say I'm just like consuming like mad, but it really forced me to think about what was important to me. So don't think too hard about it and don't turn down any ideas, but just add them. And so at the time, it was actually a peer of mine who also runs her own business. We sat down and we wrote our own lists and we're both really surprised at what items made up that list. So for instance, mine has everything from, I want to have a client in the US to, I want a king size bed. And from, I want to have potential clients find me instead of doing all the prospecting to, I want to visit my best friend Danielle in New Zealand once a year. So it was a total range from the really kind of consumable things like the bed I want versus the type of business I want to run or the amount of income I want to have. This activity was not directly tied to goals, but it actually challenged me to really think about what I want. Long story long, I think there's a bonus outcome here that relates to envy that I didn't consider at the time when I first made this list. So not only can I change and update my list at any time, right? It's on paper. It's mine. Nobody else needs to see it. It's actually come to serve as a reminder of what I really want and what matters to me. This means that as I now see somebody who has something I want or get something or experiences something, I get that initial pang of envy. I'm more likely to stop and think, is this an impulse reaction? And I want it because someone else has it. Or is it something that I actually want? It's like when you put stuff in your online shopping cart and then revisit the tab the next day to see if this is really something that I'm after. That's exactly it. I do the same things when we would be able to go shopping. I'm like, I'm just going to put this on hold for 24 hours Mm -hmm. and then stop and think, did I think about it when I went home? How would I feel if somebody bought that item and I felt like it was taken from me? Exactly. Yeah. Right. I always want to check to see if I have that, uh, that feeling to be really specific. When I see someone doing something that seems really glamorous and worthy of envy, I've learned to stop and think, is that something I really want? And Liz, I'm going to use you again as an example here. So feel free to chime in when it makes sense. During the pandemic, my retainer clients for my other business, the compliment hit pause on our work together. It was challenging, but it made sense. Their businesses were closed. Their teams were temporarily laid off and it didn't make sense for me to prospect for more clients at that time. 
So when I saw that you were getting new clients, my immediate reaction, yes, of course I celebrated you because I care about you and love you and want you to do well. But also it was like probably 95% envy. <laughs> wow. That, that's 95. Really? I don't know. I felt I maybe 70. Okay. I don't know. I'll revisit that number. Um, I, that I want what you have and that therefore I must be doing something wrong. And then I went, hang on a second. We don't even have the same job. Our businesses are entirely different mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be one-to-one that you get something. Therefore I get something. And that if I don't get that thing, therefore I'm some kind of a failure. And we have completely different work schedules too. You take the month of July off. And that's something that's really important to you. And you have set up your client workload. So that is realistic for you. And that's not something with the kind of work that I do that I can have. Like we have completely different ways of running our businesses, different work that we do, different kinds of clients that we have. Like we're not even in necessarily the same galaxy when it comes to our work. And I'm so quick to forget that because I look at you and I'm like, oh, 30 something, almost 30 something woman (laughs) running her own business, working with a variety of clients. I'm like, oh, instantly there's three commonalities. Therefore we are the same. Therefore we should be achieving the same level of success. You're right. I do take July off. I plan it out so that I still have an income in July, but I don't actually do any work that month. And that's really important to me. I'm professionally envious of the fact that you take July off. Oh, how the tables have turned. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Tell me more. But when we we do kind of, and I know the purpose of this conversation wasn't to bring more envy into this, but but the more that we talk about it, that's something that's, I would love that. You know, I, I am envious of the fact that you've built up a model. You've guaranteed 31 days off in the middle of the year, which is fantastic. I have a business model that I can't do that. But again, a reminder that I don't do work that can necessarily be paused like that. Right. So I need to keep that in check come like July 10th when you're sitting in the backyard reading a book and I'm in my office. I need to remember that we don't do the same work. Right. And the same thing applies when I'm like, oh, Liz can do some of her work just from her phone in bed. Whereas when I work with teams for the compliment, I'm out doing training sessions on Sunday nights because that's when stores are closed and teams can actually get together or early in the morning before a retail store even opens. So the reminder that we do different things is part of it. And then the second piece is, but do I really want that? So we launched the AW brand in January. I am now running two businesses parallel to each other. So when I think about the pandemic, yes, it was scary to have my clients hit pause, but it also gave me some time to stop and think about what part of my business do I want to build up? Do I want to fill my time with a ton more clients or do I want to step back and do some of the back end work that I never feel like I have the space for? So when I realized that I to still be at full-time capacity with my work, I would have to seriously pivot my business. I would have to fill up my schedule, which would mean that when my retainer clients come off pause and hit play, 
I would have double the workload, not double the fun. So your success and my success can look different and we can both be considered successful. It sounds like such a simple thing, but one size doesn't fit all here. And man, I could have used to hear this two years ago. I could have used to hear this yesterday when I see somebody on Instagram and I'm like, oh, I'm so envious of what is happening for them. So this list was created. My original hundred things list was something that I did in the summer of 2018. So my business hadn't been running for a full year yet. Uh, when my peer and I made it, we didn't really pay a lot of attention to it after that. And just this past December, we sat down again, had some snacks, had some wine, and we looked at the list and reassessed. We looked and labeled it three things. Number one, things that we completed or got, things that we still want, and things that don't matter anymore. When I actually looked back at this list, there were 67 things that I either completed or got or didn't want anymore. And that was a, that to me was the game changer because yeah. it tells me how often this list of things I want is changing and evolving and making the list wasn't just, I want it because they had it. I think she and I actually did a disservice doing it together because I would say, oh, I want a client in the U.S. And she would go, oh yeah, I want that too. Or she would say, I want to become a... Um, like a sommelier. And I'd go, oh, I want that too. And then when we would revisit the list, I'm like, I actually don't want that. I don't want to be an expert of wine. I just want to drink a nice glass of wine. My list of 100 things continues to evolve. After this episode, I'm going to start writing another one by myself. I would love to start fresh. And it really helps me focus on what I want instead of what somebody else is getting. It helps me keep my eye on my prize instead of somebody else's. This is just, it reminds me so much of the strategic work that I do. So I create a strategy for the AW Instagram. We've created a strategy of how the choices we make align with the business goals. Yes. And I do that with every client, right? So then when I have a client send me an email with something ridiculous or silly that they want to post on Facebook, I can say, well, this doesn't necessarily align with what we want to accomplish. So I don't think this is the right choice. So it's just taking, you know, a social media strategy perspective and applying that to the choices you make in your life. So I, if I think about it that way, yeah. I, I, that really works for me. Totally. And it's, that's why you have the strategy because it brings objectivity into what you're doing. And I imagine you experience this. I feel this sometimes with some of the retailers I work with, well, they'll say, let's do a giveaway because everyone is doing a giveaway. And I go, but why? How does that align with your brand? How does that actually support your mission or your goals? So we've kind of taken the the science out of like the strategy and the goals and are just things I want list. <laughs> it can be as bare bones as that. But I really do think it's, it's worth going back to, Hey, I'm feeling that feeling. Is that something I want? So I would love to know whether or not you make a list of a hundred things. What is on your list of things you want? For me, I want to write a book. I want to do a Ted talk and I've been working on my topic for a while. You get 18 minutes. I want it to be really good. 
and I want to speak to an audience of 20,000 people. Those are some of the big things that I want. So the next time I see someone get 10 new clients in a month, maybe I'll drop the envy and instead find ways to be happy for them and celebrate for them because that must have been something they wanted. And maybe we just want different things. Now it's time for WWAWD or What Would Amanda Wagner Do? Today's question comes from Sonia, who's thinking about a career change. She says, in the last week, I've realized I don't want to continue to do what I'm doing. I feel like I'm in a place of limbo of knowing I don't want to do this anymore, but not sure what the next step is. I'd love some tips on shifting mentality to get through this next part where I don't want to do the job I'm doing anymore, but I'm still working to figure out what my next move is. So any uh, pieces of advice for Sonia AW? This is a great question. And Sonia, you've described it perfectly of being in limbo between two things. You know you don't want one side, but the other side, you don't necessarily have a lot of clarity on it. So I think the, the mental shift, I don't know if it's even a mental shift. I think there's something to being open to new opportunities and new possibilities. What I would do is in the days that you are in your job and you are doing the things that you're doing, I would make a list of all the things that you do during the day. Find out what are the things that you love doing the most? What are the things that give you energy? And then look at some of the things that are potentially draining. So if you really love to, to work creatively or create a strategy or write, let's think about how your next career can have more of those things. And if you find that you're getting bogged down in administrative stuff, maybe, maybe looking at emails and frequent correspondence isn't lighting your fire, let's make sure that that's less a part of the next job. I am not somebody who will ever say, just quit your job and follow your passion, because I don't think passion is necessarily the answer. I think there's more than one thing that we need to look at. But as a starting strategy, I would say you don't have to completely shift mentally. Instead, let's, let's do some science. Write down what you do love to do and write down what you're really good at. So when I work with entrepreneurs, and I have no idea if that's a direction you want to go, if you want to work for yourself or work for someone else, but I always look at three areas. I call them the three A's. I talk about artistry, which is what you love to do, ability, which is what you can do, and then affluence, what makes you money. And when we look at these three different areas, and to me, these are the things that will come out of the list of things you do on a daily basis, figure out where that overlap is. Because if you are simply going to follow your passion, can you guarantee that you're really good at doing those things and that they're marketable or worth employment? Or if you're doing things that you are simply really competent at, but absolutely hate, that's also not going to fill your bucket. So to answer your question of like, how do I figure out this limbo space? I would say, give yourself that task and start thinking about what you could be doing what you might want to be doing. This is a chance to get curious. And when it comes to envy, I, I really do think this is connected because you might be looking at other people and going, oh, I have what they want. Same idea, what do you want? 
finish that question really simply. I want to spend my days doing X. I want to work during the following hours. I love and am good at the following tasks. We live in a really interesting world where you can, in a lot of ways, design the type of life and job you want to have. The challenge is going to be finding where that exists, but not all is lost. Start there, and I would say don't put too much pressure on yourself to have to find the perfect answer right away. Sonia, I hope that is a helpful answer for you. I'm certainly happy to talk about it more. Please join us on social media. I have gone through six career changes and for the first time am finding that I'm really making choices about what I want based on those three areas. What can I do? What do I want to do and love to do? And what makes me money at the same time? Yes, thank you, Sonia, for your question. We want your questions. Listeners, please send them our way. You can send them to us on Instagram. You can include them in a comment on a post or send them via DM as well. We'd love to include them in a future episode. You can also visit theamandawagner.com and find the contact information that way, and you can send your submission there as well. Please join us on Instagram. Tell us what you want so that we can cheer you on and serve as a reminder that you don't have to want the same things as everyone else. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. And because we live by Don't Ask, Don't Get, we are asking you to follow along with us on social media at The Amanda Wagner. Sign up for the monthly newsletter at theamandawagner.com and share this episode with a friend. Plus, if you love the podcast, please leave us a review. Nothing pleases us more like finding out what you love so that we can do more of it. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, we will see you on the internet.